If we value integrity and someone isn't doing what they say they're going to do, what's the feeling that pops up? Frustration. It's not we're in flow, we're out of flow, so things aren't going as that because at the end of the day, if we are in alignment, then it feels good. I'd like to ask you some questions. Do you consider yourself the kind of person that gets things done? Are you able to take a vision and transform that into action? Are you able to align others towards that vision and get them moving to create something truly remarkable? If any of these describe you, then you, my friend, are a leader. And this show is all about and all for you. Welcome to the Sweet On Leadership Podcast. I'm so glad you're here. Welcome to episode five. Welcome to the Sweet On Leadership Podcast, where we unlock the secrets of the most influential, trusted, and impactful leaders in business today, so you can become your best version of a leader. And now, your host, there's no I in team, but there is in Tim. Tim Sweet. Today, you're in for something really special. My friend and former colleague, Paul Farmer. Paul is an amazing coach and consultant who calls Brisbane, Australia home. Today, you're going to hear Paul's unique take on how he creates profound and lasting change with his clients by focusing them in on the feelings they want to create in their lives. When he clarifies the feelings they need to create, change becomes obvious change becomes inevitable so get ready to take some notes and experience the one and only paul farmer so hey welcome paul farmer it is fantastic to have you here i'm super excited about the fact that we get a chance to talk you and i worked together years ago and this has just been top of my list for for a number of months now and i'm finally getting to do it so thanks for joining me i'm stoked i'm absolutely stoked it's been a while from the days in Cowtown, stoked to be able to share some of the things that I've experienced since we've last caught up. So yeah, I'm ready to go. Awesome. So Paul, today we're going to talk about feelings and how they pertain to business and business performance. And this came about because you you shared with me a statement that you bring to clients often. And why don't we start there? Why don't you tell us about that, that central premise that you've got? It's interesting. Thanks, Tim. Yeah, it's one of those elements that a lot of people are challenged by feeling. Logic, we can deal with because it's a fact. It's it's numbers, it's cash flow, things like that. But the feeling in the business space is something that people can be challenged by. I have a saying which is, it's not the thing that they want, it's the feeling that it gives them. So it's not the thing that they want, but the feeling it gives them. Let's take, for example, a cup of coffee. Hmm. Do you buy a cup of coffee because it's hot water, beans, and some milk, maybe some sugar in a cup? No. You buy it because of the fact that it makes you feel good. Now, depending on the quality of the coffee determines the level of satisfaction that you get from that coffee. But regardless, it's not the coffee. It's the feeling that you get from drinking the coffee. So I was sitting one day drinking a cup of coffee and and I was like – is it the coffee that I want or, or is it the feeling that, that I get when I, when I drink the coffee? And it's like, actually, no, it's the feeling. And then decided to think about, well, how does that apply to, apply to business? And for me, I started to think about things in a way that thinking about clients. And, and I thought, well, 
Does a client actually want a house built? No. Really, what they want to do is they want to be able to sit out the back, invite their mates around and show them how good their house is. The built-in barbecue, it's not the built-in barbecue, it's the fact that they can sit there and show off to their mates that they've got a 15 burner bloody uh, smoker and they can do all this stuff and it's in their house. It's not the smoker, it's not the house, it's not the stuff, it's the feeling that it gives them when they have that stuff. It's a great place to go. And I have a couple of metaphors around homes as well. And it reminds me of one that when you're selling a home, we often talk about the real estate agent will be sneaky. They'll go in, they'll bake some bread. So it gives this feeling, homey kind of feeling. But I remember hearing when they're staging a home, they'll often take the pictures of the family out of the frames or or replace them, take those personalizations away. They don't want to have any barriers between that walkthrough and the person imagining themselves owning the home, imagining them and their own pictures being on the wall. And then I would extrapolate to what you're saying. Imagine that feeling they're going to get when they invite their friends over for the barbecue Bingo. when they're sitting in it. Yeah. That space there, the first things I do with any of my clients is ask them. If it's a an existing client, every time I catch up, it's like, what's the feeling in your business at the moment? I get them to experience it because then then we get an understanding of if it's a good experience and they're in flow and things are working, then they re-experience what it is that they're feeling in their business. If things aren't working, they also re-engineer that feeling and then they go, and I say, so how does it feel? And they'll go, oh, it's not working, my team aren't working, all of this. So they re-connect with the feeling they have in their business And then they have a choice. They can either keep feeling that or we can do some stuff to change it and to shift it. Yeah. And that connection to feeling, I like how you say that. Have them tune in to what are you feeling right now? And if they can get crystal clear on the fact that this is not where I want to be, then now it's something that we need to move away from. Now that there's there's some motivation to say, well, we need to move away from this, so then what? Where are we going? Bingo. And so in that space there, it's a matter of going, okay, we've got two choices. You can either keep experience the feeling that you have at the moment, but if you're not willing to do anything about it, then you've got to just stop whinging, bitching, and moaning about not having a feeling that you want because you're not prepared to do anything about it. Mm -hmm. If I'm in a space where I don't have the feeling that I want, then it's two choices. Either I stay in the same space or I create some change. And that's a choice. Yep. So we can, we can do that. Yeah. <laughs> that choice to stay there and remain unhappy becomes fairly undesirable. I mean, I like the phrase when they say we want to put them between the immovable object and the irresistible force. If that immovable object is, okay, where I am today, that doesn't feel good where am I going to go tomorrow? So let's talk about how we take them to the target then. What's the future look like? How do we talk about that in terms of future? That's where we have to go first. For me, what I do is I get people to stand at a point in time in in a space where they have what it is that they, they actually want. So for example, let's take the house situation. Yep. You say, okay, well, you're looking at building a house. Okay, well, stand And if I'm physically in the room with them, I stand one side and then I take a step to the right and then go, so tell me about what that feels like. Close your eyes 
and explain and describe the space that you're in where you have what it is that you want. And from a house perspective, for example, there might be a, a bare block of land. And I just say, okay, close your eyes. Yep. Right. Picture. Tell me, tell me what you see with your eyes closed. Tell me what you see. Tell me what you feel. What does it look like? What are the, what do you hear? Yep. So I get them to stand in the space where they have what they want and get them to describe it. What does it look like? In a business, for example, who are your clients? Who are you working with? Who are you not working with? Yep. Tell me about your team. Tell me about you as a leader. Who are you being? What is it that you are adding to the business? And get them to experience this thing because if we can get them to experience the sensation of having what it is that they want, then they can go, that's the feeling that I want. So we're getting them to attach the feeling to what they want. And then we go, okay, well, let's step back to where we are now. Do we have that feeling? No. Well, what are the things that we can do to take them from where they are to where they want to be, where they can have that feeling? And close those gaps. I'm on your wavelength, but when we're taking them to that future place, they can describe it logically. They can describe it tactically. They can describe it in terms of metrics. They can describe it in terms of cash flow, whatever that is. But then we have to drive them to, and how does that feel? What is the result of that? It is something that people can miss. They can miss the fact that if they set the wrong targets, and even if they achieve them, and it's what they think they should want or should get, but then it doesn't yield that sense of satisfaction or accomplishment or comfort or whatever, or, or family or community or whatever the feeling is that they're going after, and they've missed the mark, then they're not going to be happy anyway. At the end of the day, emotion is the gatekeeper, quality results. Unless we engage the emotional space and the emotion around what it is that we're looking to achieve, it is purely going to be logic and it's not tying into the actual driver of why people want certain results because the results that they want, the goals, the intentions, they're merely the vehicle for them to experience the feelings they actually want. It's interesting when you think about our existence as a human being and that really when I touch my hand, I'm not feeling that. I've got sensory information that's going up through a nervous system, electrical impulses going to my brain that then interprets it as touch. Anything that's happening to me now, I'm looking at you, I'm looking around the room. Yes, we say we're seeing things, but really it's my brain interpreting the signals that I'm given. And so everything is a simulation, be it past, present, or future. And we're experiencing everything and we're kind of taking it in. Yes, we understand it but we're, I'm getting a little deep here, but we're feeling everything. And if we don't connect to that, if we don't connect to that, what does it actually leave me with in a cognitive level or an emotional level? Then we're missing a whole language, a whole experience that we can't access. And let me ask you, Paul, in your experience, what happens to you when, you, when you've seen people fail to make this, this connection? I see someone that gets even more frustrated because they don't get the ultimate outcomes that they're actually looking for. Yep. So what they do is they end up getting a bunch of logic 
and a bunch of results, but they're meaningless because they could make an extra $100,000. Does it make them happy? No, because what it does is it doesn't actually, they haven't really achieved what it is that they really wanted. They've got more stuff, but more stuff doesn't necessarily make them feel better. It doesn't make them happy. I know a bunch of real estate agents who they hit their targets and they hit their bonuses and they and they get all this extra cash and they're as miserable as buggery because of the fact it's not actually the extra cash that they want. Yeah, It's the ability to be able to have a life on their terms comfortably, but they're spending all of their time in the business earning the commission so they can then have a life outside of the business, but they're chewing up all the time outside the business in earning the commission. So you'll have people, they will feel like they want more stuff, whether it's cash, whether it's promotion, whatever it is, but they lose sight of why we really have this stuff really is to allow us to be able to create an element of happiness in the things that we have or how we choose to operate. If I picture a client that you're helping or a team that I'm working with and they have all these options. They have pre-existing processes and policies and they have ways that they've done things. And if they're individuals, they have all their stuff around them. They have their career and the beliefs and the identities and everything that they're holding on to. And following your logic, if I can focus them in on the feelings that they're getting and what of that experience, what of that life, what of that business drives them towards those feelings and which ones are either taking them away or are, you know, negligible in terms of whether or not they're going to get them there. Suddenly I can look at my world in a completely different way. Suddenly I can look at a business strategy in a completely different way. Totally. Totally. I ran a half day strategy session earlier this week and we talked about the clients and the work that we'd like to do with this business over the next 12 months. There were two or three pieces of work that came into the conversation it wasn't understood that people had that experience in a prior life. So in a prior work life, there were a couple of people who had certain skill sets that the business hadn't been leveraging because they didn't know about them. So creating an opportunity for us to understand what it is that people actually want to do in their space, what they have access to, allows us to be able to then create opportunities to maybe tap into some of their prior experience to allow them to do things that are going to make them do work and allow them to do work, which is stuff that gives them a buzz. It helps them be fulfilled and feels that the work is really meaningful. So, Because you look at, you, you take a business, for example, that to me there's three areas that we can focus on to allow us to influence the feeling that comes into a business. Yep. You've got the clients that we work with. Yep. Let's take that. If we work with A-class clients as opposed to D-class clients, how do you think our team are going to operate when they deal with good people or they deal with good work or they do stuff that they're interested in? That's going to shift the feeling in the business. Well, they're going to feel like they fit. They're going to feel like like that client appreciates them. They're going to feel like they have a reason to to win for that client. And the clients are working with us, not against us. Yep. So we're in a space and we're working with, and I'll call them A-class clients, 
But if we're working with A-class clients consistently, they are looking to grow, enhance, but we're there to solve pain points that they can't solve themselves. And that's A-class as defined by that particular business and team. What's the top kind of avatar or profile of a client that we want to work for. 100%. So, and you take the example I was talking about in terms of there are a couple of areas that that weren't identified by a business that people had skill sets in. So you look at it, you can say, well, actually, now that we know that people are, they have an experience in something, we can go, well, maybe there are clients within our existing client base that need that, but we didn't know that we could offer it. So now what we can do is now that we have an understanding of some of the things that our people want to do, we can then go to our existing client base and go, well, who do we know? Let's say, for example, it's, it's web design. We can sit there and if we haven't been offering it, we can go to all of our clients and go, well, who needs, who needs web design work? And all of a sudden, you've got the skill set that's not being utilized by someone who loves that stuff to be able to go, well, all of a sudden, we've got... 15 websites to be designed. And if someone, if that is their buzz, that's their jam, they get to do stuff that they really enjoy. Yeah. So in terms of clients, by identifying the feeling that we get from those clients and focusing on our A-class clients, the, the ones that fit us the best, we can not only do a better job, be more prepared, bring the right clients into the business, but we can move laterally across our client set and begin to look for opportunities that may not be current products, but stuff that we can offer that elicit the same feelings for us and the same feelings for them. Okay, so clients is number one. This is great. Clients, number one. Team, number two. If we want to influence the feeling within a business, then the team that we have, when I say team, team can be internal. So we've got full-time employees or part-time or people that are on the payroll. You've got contractors. And you've also, for me, I throw in there, if we're dealing with suppliers as well, I want to throw them in there as well. Because as a group, if we're able to shape the quality of those people that we are dealing with, then again, where we're all on the same page, we're all working together and everything is in flow. And I say in flow because things are working. Team members, are they're getting that feeling that they want. The culture is being built. We're working with suppliers and they're working with us, not against us. Subcontractors or contractors, they're working with us, not against us. You think about that space and you go, well, what would that feel like? You'd be like oh, that'd be awesome. We're all working together. Yep. So, so then you're sitting there going, well, what feeling does that create in our space? Well, if you look at our internal full-time people, they're in a space where they're, they're in a a place where they can grow. They understand what opportunities exist. They're dealing with A-class clients, so they're, they're getting access to good people. They're surrounded by good people. They're being listened to. And the culture is one of inclusion and empowerment where we are, where we are promoting them in a way where they go, well, you know what? They listen to me and they ask me what it is that I'd like to do and I can tell them. And then that also then goes, okay, we can shape some of the stuff that you do, because if we can increase your ability to to enjoy your space, then by, by looking at the work that we're doing or how we shape the workplace, then that's going to be a, a big winner, both for those that are 
already part of that team space, but also attracting people. I use the barbecue example. If you've got someone at a barbecue who's sitting there talking to their friends and someone says, oh, so for example, so, you know, Tim, you're working for a, working for a business. It's like, oh, so what do you, what do you do? If someone sits there and goes, oh, well, I do a bit of this and a bit of that. Or if they sit there and go, you know what? I do this and I love where I am because we get access. We work with good clients. We act with good people. We say no to the rubbish. And we say no to the, to the BS that comes up with all the politics and whatever. And we just get on with it and we get to, to interact with each other. And people care about us as people. Which side of the conversation is going to be more attractive to someone who might go, well, actually, I'm having a pretty shit time at the moment. My boss is terrible. I don't like him. And he's hammering me. And, it's, and, I, and I get none of that. It's like, well, you know, come and check it out. Yeah, absolutely. The picture that you're giving me is that we have to have this feelings conversation and be aware of it. And I would say from the leader's perspective, it's probably really important that you're aware of what is, you had the conversation, what does create this, this these feelings for the individuals and the, and the people on the team? And then have it across your supply chain. So now we've involved the clients, we've involved the our partners, our suppliers, internal contractors or, or employees, and ourselves. Right. And so are we aware of what the feelings we're going after? And is that important to everyone? And managing the expectations. And if we're speaking that language, then when things go a little off the rails or they start to slip, we've got a whole different vocabulary that we can bring to bear to say, does everybody else feel this happening? But even even before that, what we get to do is we get to manage the expectation around dealing with people, both internal and external within our business. Because what we can do is when we take on a new client or when we take on a new supplier, or if we are working with suppliers and and clients and whatever, then if we set the expectation that, for example, you know what, we have five, four or five core values. These are our non-negotiables. What you can expect from us is we will operate according to them. If we aren't, you can call us on it. But we also expect you to abide by the same. But what happens and why we do that is because we like to work with quality people who are aligned. Because then we then find that the the feeling that we have in the business, but in the relationship we have, is one that just feels good. And we get on and we work together and we get great results. And everyone's looking, moving in the same direction. And how does that feel? It feels great. Well, guess what? The expectation we set is that if you want that, that's fine. But these are the non-negotiables that are going to allow us to be able to operate in a way where we create that feeling. If there are any red flags in there, it's like we have a you know, respect. Yeah, Respect means that you pay your invoices on time. Yep. Respect is, is, is that you will respect us when you come into our business, but we will do exactly the same for you. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and maybe taking it one step further to have not just the tactical conversation of, of what's the, how quickly do we need to pay our invoices and, and what, are, what are the policies around that? But I remember working for a, a large company. We were on a complex project where my job was to bring together a bunch of contractors and engineering firms and in this mega construction project. And 
my pay cycles, for instance, are very different than than a large multinational. And so, you know, for them to appreciate that, for me, there's a feeling that being paid on time is very, very direct, whereas for a different type of company, the feeling might not be there. So by being able to share that and say, hey, this is what this policy means to me. This is what on-time payment means for me or vice versa. Behaviors are important. Values are important to discuss, but compared to feelings, they're rather abstract, right? They're just a something to do. It's it's a, it's an ingredient, not the cupcake. So, I mean, we talked about clients, we talked about team, but in terms of values for me have become super important, super important because they're in a space where they create an element of non-negotiable for us. Yep. They're the things that matter to us, but Ultimately, it's not the values that we really want to be in alignment with. What we want is is the feeling that comes out of of those values. Yeah. So so for so for example, well, if we've got a if we've got a value of of integrity, we do what we say we're going to do. Yeah. Now, if we have purely have that value written on a wall somewhere, without context, it means something to you. It's just a word. So the context is about applying what is the emotion attached to either being in alignment or being out of alignment. And that feeling, that's the thing that is the ultimate outcome of why we have values in in, in place is because if we value integrity and someone isn't doing what they say they're going to do, what's the feeling that pops up? Frustration. It's not we're in flow, we're out of flow. So Things aren't going as that because at the end of the day, if we are in alignment, then it feels good. Mm-hmm. So we talked about client. We talked about our staff and our team. Is there another point? The roles and responsibilities. That's the third point. So we take our team, for example, or we take our owners or senior leadership team. Or if we look at the roles and responsibilities that we have within a business, then what we choose to do or not do allows us to be able to, again, impact the feeling that we that we are creating in the business because if I've got a role that requires me to do a bunch of stuff that I don't enjoy, how's that going to go? Oh, you know, it's funny. When I, uh, earlier in the year, we started to really focus in on a program we call WorkSelf. And the, and the very, there's two main things that we deal with in that in that program. And the first one is, you know, how do you work? How do you want to be working in the course of the day? Are you a highly strategic person that wants to be spending a lot of time in that space? Or do you want to be down in the weeds, being tactical and getting things crossed off your list? Or do you want to be the planner and the person directing it? And then what's your capacity to switch between those roles? And how often do you want to do that? And so often we have people that come up through the business that have been successful and have gotten a lot of fulfillment and positive feelings out of a certain type of work. And then guess what we do? We say, well, you're doing the best of your team. So we're going to promote you to manager. And suddenly, suddenly the feelings are gone. What we tend to do is we tend to promote the technical stars and put them into spaces where they have to manage people. How does that work? It doesn't. No. And yet if we stop to consider how does this person like to work? And then the other part that we focus on is what genius are they are they accessing? How does this person provide value to a team? And how does that team, 
you know, consume that value. And if we get those two things right, then the person feels like they fit. They feel like, and if it, if it, if it isn't right, the person feels like their genes are too tight and they can't help but want to get them off and quick. Bingo. But what we need to do, we need to understand what it is that they want in their space. Mm-hmm. That whole element of seek first to understand before being understood. If I have a vision where I think someone, where I would like them to go in the company, then that's great. But what if they don't want that? Now, can I give you an example? I was working with a, I was working with a client and and he said, oh, look, I've got this guy in my business and he's, he's a really hard worker and works well and I want to promote him into a leadership role. It's like, oh, yeah, cool. He said, but I've got this other person who I'd also like to bring into the business, but I would have to put them over the existing person if they were to come into the business because their experience is over and above the existing person. So he was torn between I'd like to promote the person because they're working hard and I'd like to promote them, but at the same time, I don't feel like they want to be a leader. So I'm kind of torn because if I bring someone else in from the outside above them, they'll probably go, well, I've got no no promotion aspects here, so I'll just leave. And so he was in a quandary. He said, well, what do I do? And I said, well, do you know whether that existing person wants to be in a leadership role? And he said, well, no, I don't. And I said, well, why? why would you put your filter on what he wants? Why not ask him what he wants? And then based on what he would like to do, then you would have an understanding maybe of why he may may not feel like he wants to step into a leadership role. And so two days later, he rings me and he, and he goes, hey, I asked him. I said, yeah, well done, congratulations. Then what happened? And he said, uh, he said well, he, uh, he doesn't want to be a leader. I said, oh, how good's that? And he said, yeah, and... He's, he wants to come to work, do his job, and then go because he's saving up money. He wants to be a dancer. And I said, so what did it take for you to get an understanding of what it was that he actually wanted, not what you wanted for him? And he said, ask the question. I said, yes. I said, how do we fully understand what's in someone else's space until we have an understanding of what's in their space? You can get to that understanding and, as you say, most importantly, drive the conversation towards a mutual understanding of what is going to be felt through these possible futures. You're going to have a pretty rich discussion with that with that teammate. 100%. 100%. That came up because I said, you know, how's it going to feel when you have this person? And this, this person, he was happy, turn up, do his job and go. He was in flow because he was doing what he wanted to do because it was driving something else external to the business. He was as, you know, happy as a pig in mud. He was getting what he needed and emotionally the feeling that he wanted was not being pressured to be a leader. It was just leave him alone and get on with his job. That's what he wanted because, because he had aspirations to be things bigger outside of the business. So the three levers, again, of, and I'm going back here, but client, you know, team and roles and responsibilities, all, yeah. all observed within the context of feelings. Yep. So the leader begins to get this right. Now, what's the promise? What's the promise? The leader or the owner of the business, they begin to get this right. So what's the promise? Yeah. So depending on 
the way that the conversations happen with the owners, then choosing to bring that feeling into the business allows the business to grow in a deliberate way whereby the business feels good for all of those that are involved in it. Yep. Now, ultimately, depending on the mindset of the business owner, maybe, just maybe, the business owner would like to be someone who isn't full-time in the business. Maybe they'd like to be considered like a consultant to the business. So if they're in a space where the business is in flow and it doesn't need them to be in the middle of it diving on grenades, then what does that provide for the business owner? Well, it provides them flexibility to be able to choose where they spend their time. Now, that choice may be that they they do three days a week, but that three days a week, their roles and responsibilities aren't being up to their elbows in work. It is business development. So that three days of work could be, one of those days could be playing in a corporate golf day, business development. If, if we have everybody aiming at and knowing that their work or that their position or the way in which they they comport themselves yields the feelings that they're interested in and that the owners are getting that, it means that we're going to see the business as not just successful, but mutually successful. Yeah. It, it, people will be empowered to grow the business in the direction that the business owner would like it to go. And not just the, not just the business, because you said golf game. So it means it's also going to furnish your life experience that you want. 100%. Yeah. Let's be honest. Where a business isn't functioning and where a business doesn't feel good, then that impacts how people involved with that. It impacts them outside of the business. Yeah. So if we've got a business that's in flow, then we talk about work-life balance. Well, you know, we might have a business that is that is that is growing and doing everything possible, but it also sucks our energy, which means that when we walk out of the office, then we're not hundred percent present. We're grumpy. We're minimizing our ability to invest in us in the stuff that actually matters, filling our cup and spending time with family and, and doing things, activities that we enjoy that then allow us to go 100, 100 miles an hour in the business. Yep. So when the business is in flow, that then essentially, that then allows us to take that flow out of the business and that impacts the where we spend our time and how we how we uh, turn up. I think, you know, we're, we're, I think in the organizational development and the leadership and the career space now, we're struggling with the with the concept of work life balance because it's it's not to say it's completely wrong, but the term is is becoming somewhat harder to explain because people mistake it as being a time balance, for instance. Or, or something along those lines. But as soon as we start talking about work-life flow or work-life blend in the sense that um, we need to be feeling, what, what are we feeling in both aspects of these of, of our lives? And is the feeling in balance? Do we have these two states of flow that feel like they're supporting one another? Is that what's in balance? Not the time per se or the, or the stress level or something. It comes back to choice. If, for example, and I'll give you another example, I was working with a client and they'd finish at five, but on the way home, they'd, they'd stop off and they'd do a, a couple of jobs on the way home, which was work, 
but they do a couple of jobs on the way home and they'd get they'd get home at 6 30 and uh, and i said so how does that feel and he said well yeah i do some extra work we get some extra money and i said yeah but what about your family how does it feel for them and he went what do you mean I said, well, let's be honest. What do they want more than anything oh. for you? <laughs> and he said, uh, he said, well, time. And I said, and he won't mind me saying this, but I said, so how does it feel to value that money more than the time with your family? And literally he sat there and he went, oh, I've never thought about it like that. I said, all your family want is quality time with you. That hour and a half, you could have spent straight home and you've got an hour and a half with the family. All they want is is time with dad. Because it makes them feel a certain way. Bingo. <laughs> yeah. So 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 it's interesting because I said, well, what you're doing is you're taking away their ability to fill their cup because the thing that fills their cup is your time. But you're choosing to to value that time with them you're choosing to value earning money over spending time with them and i said that's a choice i said that's a choice you may not be conscious of it i said but you're choosing to do that on the way home you could choose to go straight home and have an hour and a half with your family before the kids go to um, have, have showers and dinner and bed and whatever i said but you know that's your choice and that's okay just be aware that it's not just you that it's impacting and the feeling that they get is there's an hour and a half less time they get to spend with that. I said, so your action doesn't just impact how you feel. It also takes away their ability to be able to experience the feeling that they want as well. So it's a double, it's a double whammy from that perspective. And he just went, Oh, and I said, so I just want to, you know, I just want, I just hope that that money that you earn on the way home, I just hope that there is something that invests in their happiness that allows you to somewhat compensate them for the fact that you've taken away an hour and a half of their, of your time, which means a lot to them. That's all I'll say. No, I think, you know, it's funny. And in some closing thoughts here, I mean, Feelings have been part of the conversations that I've had with clients for years, but you're giving me a new sense of the power of being able to actually transact on these feelings when it comes to conceptualizing, you know, how do we form our teams? Where do we choose to do business? How do we choose to organize? And then I think it extrapolates out to saying, do we have a richness of understanding in terms of how our choices are impacting ourselves in our home life and those around us in that sphere? And so that is a fascinating, fascinating concept. It really isn't terribly complex because we all feel feelings, but I think it's such an important thing to, to hammer home. Yeah. And, to, and as I said at the start, a lot of people aren't comfortable feeling feelings because they're not sure what's going to come up. Yeah. Because some people, are, they deal in logic, so they don't have to go into the emotional side of, which may, which may be driven by past experiences or exposure to beliefs and values and, and whatever. And it's like, no, no, I'm going to keep that emotion. So I walked into a, into a room full of accountants one day and I wrote feelings and emotion on the board. And I had a couple, I had a couple of people get up and start walking out. And I said, hey, guys, where are you going? 
And they said, oh, we think we're in the wrong room. I said, what do you mean? They said, well, we're here to talk about leadership and whatever. I said, yeah, come back, come back. I said, come back and have a seat. I'm, I'm an accountant. And I just went, you know what? If you get this concept, it will change your life. It will change your business. It will change your career. But the element of embracing the, the influence feeling has on our space I said, you choose to leave it out and ignore it as, it, as if it doesn't matter. I said, you're going to get 20% out of you and your space. You embrace it and learn how it influences your space. I said, you're going to get 80% 80 plus the ability to be able to then harness it to get to 100 because it goes into sales. It goes into marketing. Everything in our business is revolves around tying into the feeling before engaging the gatekeeper before we can then talk logic. We earn the right to talk logic. Well, think about the way we use that. I mean, when we say the term shit just got real, it's because feelings make reality real. Feelings are what, what mean, oh, that just, that just got personal. That just got. Feeling feelings. Yeah. Where we don't feel them, it just <laughs> right. works. Awesome. Okay, Paul, I think that's a fantastic place to start, but I've got more questions. So can we do this again real soon? Yeah, sure. Yeah, okay. I'd love to. And as I said, I could, uh, I could, this is something that I, I find in business is not, not understood, not valued, and it, it's game-changing in a space where it's not rocket science, but it's becoming conscious of the influence and the ability to engage emotion and feeling to allow us to be able to then understand it so we can then then talk logic. Loved having you here today, Paul. It was a real pleasure. Mate, thank you for that. And and the last, the last, remember the last saying? You know, it's not the thing that what they want, it's the feeling it gives them. Love it. Okay. Well, thank you so much. We're gonna do this again real soon. Thanks, Tim. Thanks.